Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the first edition of the Arsenal Cannon Podcast Experience. Trying to steal a little thunder from Mr. Joe Rogan, the king of podcasting. I figure if I'm going to start somewhere, I should take some notes from the GOAT. So without further ado, let's get right into it. The first episode of the Arsenal Cannon Podcast. No Rory today. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to make it. He's just starting his new job, actually, today, full-time job, and we just couldn't quite find the time uh, to make the podcast together, so we just went ahead, and so I just went ahead, and, and I'm going to do the first episode by my lonesome, and then, you know, as, as the weeks progress, uh, if Rory has the time and, and, if, and if we have the time, he's going to go ahead and join me, and we're going to talk about all things Arsenal. So today is going to just be a kind of a little test run. It's not going to be anything too extravagant. It's going to be a pre-match analysis of the away game this Saturday against Newcastle United and St. James's Park. But basically, um, in these new podcasts, in this new podcast format, a uh, thing I want to do before every pre-match analysis or every post-game analysis is kind of talk about some breaking news that's going on around the club at the moment. So to start things off, um, you may have already heard of it. We actually have some good news in terms of injuries at Arsenal at the moment, and that is not something we've grown very accustomed to over the years. We're used to hearing only negatives when it comes to injuries and things like that. But um, scheduled for an early return is actually Syed Kalashinak, and we're in a bit of a predicament in terms of left backs at the moment with him and Maitland Niles being unable to play. And Monreal is really our only left back at the team right now. So, I mean, it's great news to hear that Kalasinak, as well as Maitland-Niles, are due back earlier than anticipated and are both expected to be back in early October next month. So that's exciting, you know, and it, it, I think it just begs the question, you know, will Kalasinak uh, take the spot from Nacho Monreal or maybe maybe even Maitland-Niles will take the spot from Monreal or is Unai Emery... Has, has Unai Emery been satisfied with Nacho Monreal this season? And will, will the Spaniard keep the position? Only time will tell. And, we'll, you know, I think we'll, we'll see. We'll see in October what, what's going on. Also, um, Mr. Laurent Koscielny, who got that horrendous injury last season against Atletico Madrid, rupturing his Achilles heel once again. You know, he's, um, I think he, he just turned 33, actually. I think it was a couple days ago. Could have been yesterday. Um you know, and that that's a really bad injury to get on a perpetual basis. I mean, he his Achilles heel, if you like, is his Achilles heel. And it just that that's a really difficult injury to get over. You know, you have to you have to be slow in the comeback. I think Arsenal are fully aware of that and they're they're, they're not letting him rush back into it because that is an awful injury to get and especially when when you when you basically keep getting it. And, you know, Koscielny, let's, let's face it, he's not getting any younger. You know, a, another big injury like that really could spell the end for the Frenchman. But he's coming back to full training in November. He'll probably not be back with the squad till about December or January, I would predict. But it's good to see our official captain, if you like, um, coming back to full training. So this is a little bit of a... I'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent here before the pre-match analysis in terms of Arsenal captains at the moment. Has anyone else noticed that the the armband for Arsenal seems to be a bit of a curse? Or is that just me? Because you look at... <laughs> per Mertesacker last season was the 
was the official team captain, and the guy got almost no playing time. I mean, he was on the bench every single game. Actually, more often than not, he didn't even make the bench because Arsene Wenger would rather have a, a player like Rob Holding or, or, or Callum Chambers on the bench. So more often than not, the, the veteran German didn't even make the squad. So, I mean, is, is it just, is the Arsenal armband, is it a curse? Is it like that a witch put a curse on it or something to where if you even touch that thing, you like just, you, you are not allowed anywhere near the Arsenal squad? Or is it just, is it just that we keep giving it to a bunch of old guys? I mean, I really don't know. So, but that's, that, I don't know. I don't know if anyone else has noticed that, but it's really kind of bothered me a lot. I mean, even you look at Mikel Arteta, who was the team captain before Per Mertesacker, and he, the guy never played either. So it's just like the captainship at Arsenal is essentially meaningless at the moment. And I just, I like, do, do not make a player like Aaron Ramsey or Mesut Ozil or someone that's actually a quintessential part, an integral part of the team, the team captain, or else they'll be hit by this Arsenal team captain curse. So let's let's get past the team captain, all that crap, and let's move into something that's pissing a lot of people off, and that's Mr. Ivan Gazidis, who looks set to be joining AC Milan. If I would have said this last season, if this would have been brought up last season, Arsenal fans would have been like, yeah, come on, woo! Because he was such a controversial figure last year, but now... Now that it seems like, oh wait, Gazidis maybe isn't really the one at fault, and it's actually just our abysmal owner, Mr. Stan Kroenke, who's not pumping any funds into the club. But I mean, you know, he looks at he looks set to leave, and these rumors don't really look like rumors anymore. They kind of just look like they kind of look like facts. And I'm not too disappointed, to be honest with you. I don't think he's that integral of a piece to the Arsenal jigsaw puzzle at the moment. You know, we have got new guys in here like like um, Sven Mislintat, Relison Leahy. I, I, don't, I don't know if I'm saying his surname right. But, you know, we have, we have a pretty good foundation finally at Arsenal. And I don't think Ivan Gazidis departing would really, would really get rid of any of that progress for the Gunners. So I'm not really that disappointed to see him, see him leave, to be honest with you. You know, he's just he's just a typical CEO really, you know. He 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 has to step on eggshells every single time he does a press conference or every time he does an interview because he doesn't want to offend anybody. He doesn't ever really tell us anything. You know, the highlight really of Ivan Gazidis's career with Arsenal was him saying, you know, those who know, know. Those who it's some I don't even remember the direct quote because it wasn't really that impressive, but people to social media like that was that thought that was godly for some reason. But other than that, what has Ivan Gazidis really done? I mean, honestly, you know, you look at, we, we've been in a perpetual decline for the past few years, and it's not like Ivan Gazidis is the saving grace of it or anything. I mean, him leaving the team is not going to affect anything at all. We're still in a downward spiral, and that's not going to change no matter who the CEO is until we get rid of the owner. But anyway, I could go on about that all day, and I'm not going to because I got things to do. So let's talk about Let's let's do the pregame analysis of the away game against Newcastle United. Um, this is going to be a difficult game, you know. This is going to be a really difficult game, and it should not be a difficult game. We just like to make things significantly more difficult than they are, and we like to make teams that aren't half as good as they are look like, you know, Pep Guardiola Barcelona's. So I'm nervous for this game. 
and I'm pretty sure you are too listening to this, because every single game that Arsenal have away from home could end catastrophically. It doesn't matter who we're playing up against. You know, we could be playing against Shrewsbury, you know, and we would somehow find a way to lose playing our first team. We're just terrible away from home. And I, I, that's something Unai Emery is going to have to improve on, you know, coming into the team because away from home, man, we just have no steel. We can't defend. I mean, you know, a team like Newcastle, we're clearly going to dominate the possession. We're probably going to have 60 to 70% possession. But that plays into the hands of Newcastle United because they want to sit back on their morals and they want to hit you on the counterattack, man. They've got some pace going forward. They have the new big boy up front, Salomon Rondon. So... We, we've got to be really careful going into this game. We, neither of us have been really impressive at the start of the season, especially not Newcastle United. But with that being said, Newcastle United's opening games have just been, <laughs> have been literally probably the worst possible opening games that Newcastle United ever could have imagined. And dude, listen to this. In their first four games, they played Tottenham Hotspur, Chelsea, and Manchester City. Oh my gosh. Like, but I mean, with that being said, at least they got him out of the way. But, you know, that's why they've only even tied one game. And it was against Cardiff, coincidentally, who we played last week. But, I mean, it's, you know, you look at it, they haven't, you know, you, if, you, if you looked at it going into the season, you really expected Newcastle United to lose those games. So, I mean, I mean, us as Arsenal, we haven't really been that impressive either. You know, we lost to two of those teams that they lost to, Manchester City and Chelsea. And then we won against a team that they drew against Cardiff, and then we beat West Ham. And notably, we beat those teams pretty narrowly, and we made it look pretty difficult. We conceded two goals in both of those games. You know, we in the last two games, look, look at this, man. We've, we've scored six goals in the last two games, and we've, <laughs> we've, we've conceded four. That is just the most arsenal thing you will ever hear in your entire life. We're amazing going forward. We have... Awesome players like Ramsey, Ozil, Aubameyang, Lacazette, Mkhitaryan. But defensively, we are completely shambolic. We have more holes than Swiss cheese. We are terrible. And uh, Unai Emery has to address that. So neither of us getting up off to really great starts. Newcastle United, one point from their first four games. Arsenal, six points from their first four games. So none of them really anything to call home about. You know, they've been... Newcastle, like I said, you could have expected that from them. They probably should have beaten Cardiff, to be fair to them. But, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, they could still easily turn the season around and look for a finish in the top 10. And we could still easily turn the season around and look for a finish in the top four. So let's get right into it, essentially. Um, I'm going to start off with my starting lineup, my predicted starting lineup. I th- my uh, my starting lineup would probably be a little bit different to this, and I'll, I'll get into that per position. Um, I, I'm pretty sure most of us are well aware it's going to be this this four two three one kind of formation, you know, um, that changes into a four three three kind of thing. So, um, let I mean let's 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 get right into it. Uh, the first, I'm going to start off with a goalkeeper, and I think that's probably one of the most controversial positions on the pitch at the moment. And I would or I I would personally have Bern Leno. But I don't think Unai Emery is going to go with Bern Leno. I think he's going to go with Petr Cech again. And I think he's definitely kind of sticking to his guns and the fact that Petr Cech is going to be the starting goalkeeper um, in the Premier League this season. 
I would go with Leno, to be honest, in this game. I think we need to give him his chance. We bought him for 25 million pounds. He's really highly rated from... I don't... I'm not a I'm not a big fan of the Bundesliga to be honest with you. I don't watch it too frequently. But the people I know that do watch it, I have a few German buddies that are huge fans of it and in fact one of them is a is a Leverkusen fan. And you know, he's telling me he was telling me when we got this guy, "Oh yeah. Oh yeah, he's an Arsenal player, all right." And I was like, "What do you mean?" And he was like, "He's amazing at playing the ball from the back. He's good at shot stopping, but he does have an error in him because he is a pretty young goalkeeper." And I was like, "You know what? That's okay." Because most goalkeepers in world football have an error in them somewhere, you know. And, and I just, I, ah. you know, Petr Cech is 37 years old. He's not the future. He's not the future. And Unai Emery is going to have to realize that. And I get it. I get it. Cech has not been terrible um, in terms of shot stopping this season. But really his, his distribution out from the back is horrible, really. And, and Unai Emery is clearly determined to play the ball out from the back and if he wants to do that Petr Cech is not the man Petr Cech is not the man that he's going to need in goal seriously I mean I think I think that he wants him to be because of his Premier League experience and the fact that he has leadership capabilities when most of the team doesn't but at the end of the day if you have a player that cannot play and cannot gel into your system you don't adjust to the player especially if they're 37 years old you don't adjust to the player to try to get the best out of them, they have to adjust to you. And Czech is not adjusting to Unai Emery. So for that reason, he's got to be taken out of the squad. Now, moving up to the back line, I am going to say this about Petr Cech. They do not help him out very much. I mean, he's not good at playing the ball out from the back. There's no secret about it. But the back, the guys in the back line have got to open themselves up a little more. If a, Like, for example, if a Cardiff player is pressing you, don't keep bodying him up you got to try to move away from him and give check someone to pass the ball to or else he's essentially forced to play it long or he tries to play a stupid short ball through the middle of the field and Harry Arder's in one-on-one on go and I let's I have no idea how he didn't finish that but you know that's what happens you have to you have to give him people to pass to because he can't just pass he can't just pass into space he's not a he's not Luka Modric you know I mean when you're the one of the first things you learn when you're a young defender, is you don't pass into space as a defender. You don't do square balls across the back. You don't pass right up through the middle. You pass to the man. If no one's open, you got to clear that thing to Rosette, baby, because it's not worth trying to play a pretty pass and and having the possibility of losing the ball and the other team counterattacking on you and scoring a goal. I mean, just look, look what Granit Xhaka did against Cardiff City. The guy wasn't bad at all in the whole game. But look at look at the one stupid error he made. He thought he was Javi for some reason, you know, and he plays it he plays this Xavi-esque ball and it doesn't work at all. Cardiff City on the counterattack, they score immediately. You know, and and that and that just basically epitomizes why our backline needs to stop trying to be so fancy, stop being so extravagant. If you're getting pressed high up the field, if if the other team's pressing high up the field and nobody is available for you, you've got to just clear it, man. Because even if the other team gets possession of the ball in their own defensive end of the pitch, at least that's better than conceding a goal. But anyway, that's that's enough about Petr Cech. I mean, you've you've all heard this a lot, and and for for good reason. It is a, a pretty big issue going on right now. Um, so I would I'd play Leno and and goal, but I think Cech is going to be the the starter. In terms of the back line, uh, we're going to start off with Nacho Monreal, who's actually been in the news a little bit recently. We're not really used to that. He's kind of a guy that that lays low, just likes to play his football. 
And, you know, he's been he's been rumored. I, I saw something. He got rumored with a move away to Barcelona, actually, to be a backup to Jordi Alba. Nah. Nah, man. You're not taking our you're not taking La Cabra. He's our he's our boy, man. He's not going anywhere. He's been here for a long time. He's not going to Barcelona to be a backup. I don't care if he's 32 years old. He needs to sign a new contract. I want him playing here for the next few years because he's still got it in him. He's an intelligent player. And he's one of our best defenders at the club right now, whether you like it or not. To be honest with you, though, he was at fault for one of the goals last se- last season, <laughs> last week against Cardiff, the one where, where Jaka tried to ping his little Chavi ball. Um, Monreal's marking on that situation was disgraceful, but... More often than not, Nacho Monreal is a really consistent player, and you know we, we're just accustomed to him putting in a 6, 7, 8 out of 10 performance in every single week. So I'd have Monreal, and I think Unai Emery is going to have Monreal as well. He came out in his press conference and said, basically he said, we want him to sign a new contract. We want him to stay with us. You know, and they basically just said everything I said. You know, he's a consistent player. He's a hard worker for the team, yada, yada, yada. All this stuff you expect the manager to say about his player that he pretty much has to say. So, yeah, I'd have Monreal as a left back, and I, I think Unai would too. Uh, moving over to the center back positions, I think me and um, Unai are also in agreement with this position. Mustafi and Socrates, I think they've got to gel together. When Koscielny comes back, I don't see him really like staking a claim into the starting 11. I think Unai Emery is a bit scared to play him because of his, you know, his horrible injury record. And and you can't blame him. You know, he's 33 years old. He has problems with his Achilles heel. You know, he's clearly on a decline. He's clearly reaching the end of his career. So I, I think me and him are both in agreement there. Mustafi and Socrates should start. I thought Socrates was I thought he was actually pretty poor last week. And in his opening games, though, for Arsenal, he's been decent. I thought Mustafi last week, though, was decent. And it's not just because of the goal. It's, you know, I, <laughs> this is pretty funny. I heard a few people saying this. I heard it on the same old Arsenal podcast, Pain in the Arsenal podcast, and I've, I saw it on Twitter as well. And it was that, you know, the less you hear Mustafi's name, the better. Because he is, he sometimes is just an absolute menace to our back line and he can just completely completely destroy us at sometimes because he'll fly into challenges he'll make horrible decisions so we didn't hear his name that much in the uh in the Cardiff City game so I was I was pretty happy with his performance I gave him a six out of ten I think not too bad so yeah but but with the back two I'd go with Socrates and Mustafi and I, I expect to see that going into the game against Newcastle um in terms of the right back, that's another really controversial position at the moment. I would personally have Stefan Lichsteiner. I'd like to see him get a chance. I'd like to see him get a run out. I mean, I know he was clearly brought into the team just to be kind of a rotation player, a guy that um, is really there to mentor Hector Bellerin. You know, he's not really there to um, be a mainstay in the starting lineup. He's really there to improve Hector Bellerin. So, um I'd like, but I. But with that being said, I've been impressed with him of what we've seen. You know, I mean, he's he's really tenacious. He's got some leadership capabilities. I'd like to see him in the starting lineup, like not not. I wouldn't say consistently because he is old, you know. And maybe in some games when you need a player with a bit of pace, he's not the man. You know, especially a game where Arsenal's going to be on the front foot. And with that being said, we are going to be on the front foot this game. But I mean, you know, you've got big boys like Salomon Rondon on Newcastle United. 
I mean, imagine Salomon Rondon. It's say he decides to dart down the right, or it would be his his uh, left hand side, and just up against Hector Bellerin. You know, I mean, Bellerin will not be able to contain, or to rather cope with the physicality that Salomon Rondon brings to the table. So for that reason, and pretty much that reason alone, I go with Stefan Lichtsteiner because Rondon is very difficult to play against. He, he, I heard he did well in the international friendlies with his national team. So, I mean, they've. I, I think Lichtsteiner would be a really good player to play in this game. I don't think he's going to play, though. I think Unai Emery is probably going to end up going with Hector Bellerin because he clearly has faith in him, and rightfully so. Bellerin has a lot of potential, and I think if he's taught to properly defend, he already has the attacking aspect down in my eyes. So if he's taught to properly defend, I mean, this, this guy can be a really decent player. So I think Bellerin will start along with the rest of the back line being Socrates, Mustafi, and Monreal. But I would personally rather have the Swiss international, Mr. Stefan Lichtsteiner. So let's move into the midfield. Um, you know, I think, I think me and, um, I think me and Unai actually might agree on this one. Um, Guendouzi has been fantastic since joining Arsenal, and I have to say that, but I don't think this is the game for him. I thought the same thing against Cardiff, and it turns out, not to not to toot my own horn or anything, I don't want to be that guy that says, oh, I told you so, I was right, you know, if, if you watch my YouTube channel. Um, I said, you know, I this is going to be a difficult game. It was going to be a difficult game against Cardiff City, so far away from home, and I mean, I, it just wasn't the game for Guendouzi. He shouldn't have been in the starting lineup. He's not, I mean, he's he's mean, He's aggressive, he's tough, all that fun stuff. But, you know, like Wales is a really difficult place to go for every English team. And Cardiff City, especially under the management of Neil Warnock, are extremely aggressive. And, you know, it's Guendouzi really struggled to establish himself in that game. So I would actually drop him for this game. Not You know, he was our player of the month uh, last month, and I completely agree with that. I think he deserved it. But I, I don't think he deserves a start in this game. I would personally go with Granite Xhaka and Lucas Torreya. Uh, Granite Xhaka, really in the in the Cardiff City game, he was kind of scapegoated because, let's be honest, he was completely at fault for that first goal, along with Nacho Monreal's poor marking. But I thought other than that, in the game he was okay. And in the game before that, he wasn't that bad either. So I'd keep Granite Xhaka in there. And then I think next to Lucas Torreya, you'd probably see the, the, you'd probably see the better version of Granite Xhaka because... Torreya is a defensive midfielder. That's it, you know, and and a lot of us are under this impression that Granite Jaka is the same thing, but he's not. Granite Jaka is not a defensive midfielder, and he never will be. Just because you're tall and you're aggressive and you play in the midfield does not mean you're a defensive midfielder. I'm sorry. That's not how it works anymore. It's not the 1960s, you know. I mean, Jaka is, he's massive. Let's be honest. He's a, he's a massive, he's big, he's tough, he's aggressive, aggressive, but he's a deep-lying midfielder, and that's what he is, you know, and and people need to stop expecting Jaka to be a defensive midfielder because he's not that at all, whereas Lucas Torreya is, and I think if we saw Granit Xhaka and Torreya kind of working together in a midfield pivot just right in front of the back line, and Jaka having the freedom to kind of go forward, ping some long balls into the front four, then we'd see the best of them, and Lucas Torreya, I mean, what can I say? This guy has to start. There was a bit of an injury scare with him um, on international break. Me and Rory were actually talking about this. Um, 
And but but I I don't think it was anything serious because he's already back in full Arsenal training. And honestly, I expect him to start this game. I thought he was incredible when he came on against Cardiff. He's been decent ever since for every appearance that he's made off the bench as a substitute. And I think Unai Emery has finally come to realize, hey, you know what? This guy's ready to go. I'm going to keep him in the lineup. I'm going to play him next to Granite Jaka, And he's going to be a defensive midfielder. And Jaka's going to kind of be that freelancing roaming player that has um, the, the... Basically, he's allowed to create. He's allowed to do what he does best. He's allowed to play those Xavi or Tony Cruz kind of passes. And then I think, well, that's, that's probably the best midfield pivot we have at the moment. And it is harsh to take Guendouzi out of the side, but, I mean, you've, you've got to see what the, that, that midfield pivot is what we have intended, really, to be the starting midfield pivot for the rest of the season. So we have to see them playing together and, and get them communicating, get them on the same sheet of music, and then I think we will see probably one of the best central midfields we've seen at Arsenal for the past few years. At least that's what I hope happens. So let's move into the, um, I, I guess you can call them the three attacking midfielders in the formation that Unai likes to play. Um, Mesut Ozil, I have playing on the right. I don't really like that, to be honest with you. But at the moment, we don't have that many players that can play with that great of width. Um, I guess you could... I don't know, man. I mean, we, we we needed a winger in the transfer window. We didn't get it. So for right now, we're just going to have to settle. We're going to have to play Mesut Ozil there. I think Mkhitaryan's form recently has not been good enough. So I don't think he's not going to be in the, he's not going to be in the lineup for me. Um, he gets dropped to the bench. Ozil starts. And I'll, I'll get into that a little bit later when I'm done with the um, my predicted starting 11. Ozil... Um, we need we need to see better of him, you know, but we need to get behind him. He's clearly going through a lot at the moment and I mean it's it's going to be difficult for him. It it always is and he's, you know, he's a massive player. He gets perpetually ridiculed on a consistent basis and we as Arsenal fans, you know, no one else is behind him. Nobody else is behind him. We have to get behind him and we have to show him that we still love him and you know, chant his name. I want to hear I want to I want to be watching TV at 10 o'clock in the morning here in Florida and hear that small section of Arsenal fans tucked up in the away end of St. James's Park screaming, We've got Ozil, You know, that, I want to hear that. I want to hear the fans getting behind him because this guy, this guy has the ability to be one of the best players in the world, but he needs us behind him. He's a confidence player. And if he, on his day, man, he could demolish any team, not only in the Premier League, but probably also in world football. So let's get behind him. I think Unai Emery is going to start him. I have him starting as well. Let's get behind our new number 10. And, I mean, obviously he's not new, but he's newly um, wearing the number 10 jersey. But let's get behind the German international. and let, Well, he's not international anymore. Let's get behind the, let's get behind the German um, who's, who's labeled as Turkish, coincidentally, whenever the Germans lose. So... Yeah, anyway, I'm not going to go on my tangent about that. Um, let's let's get behind Ozil. He starts on the right for me. In the attacking midfield position, I'd have Aaron Ramsey. Simply because I think he's in better form than Henrik Mkhitaryan. And I don't think Ozil and Mkhitaryan can play on the same team. And like I said, I'll get into that. Um, Ramsey, I want, to see, I want to see better. I want to see his late runs into the box. I mean, that's what he brings to the table. He's, I think Unai Emery is well aware that Aaron Ramsey... Is an attacking midfielder. He's not a center mid. He never will be. He's an attacking midfielder. He likes to get in and he likes to score goals. I mean, just look what he did for Wales recently in the international break. 
I mean, that, that's, that's all you got to say. You know, the guy's a fantastic player. He's a great goal-scoring midfielder. And, and if we play him to his, to his strong suits, he can be a really good asset for the Gunners moving forward. And then over on the left side, I have Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. So obviously, I'm pretty sure you can draw the conclusion that Alexandre Lacazette starts as a striker. Well, when you talk about one, you got to talk about both. The two peas, the two peas in a pod, are great friends, you know. They and they get along so well, not only off the pitch but on it as well. Their chemistry is amazing. They both have to play. Unai Emery knows they both have to play, and I fully expect them to both be playing. And I completely agree with that. I would also play both of them in this game. You know, Lacazette especially. You know, look how he played against Cardiff. If that's not saying, listen, Unai, you need to start me because I'm a world-class striker, I don't know what will. I mean, I, I, you know, he got an assist in that game to his good buddy, Aubameyang, and he also got a lovely goal late in the game that gave us the three points. So Lacazette definitely has to start. I think he's probably the player in the best form on the team right now. And Aubameyang, I'm getting tired of this. I'm getting tired of this hearing, oh, Aubameyang can't play old left. You know, you're, you're taking away from his game. You know, stop, dude. Like, look how Ronaldo plays. Look how Ronaldo played at Real Madrid. He's always on the left. It doesn't matter that he's on the left. If you're a goal scorer, I could, I could throw you back in the right back position and you would somehow get in position to score. It's irrelevant. Positioning in today's modern game is irrelevant because the basically these front four being Ozil, Ramsey, Aubameyang, and Lacazette are completely interchangeable. At any given moment, Aubameyang can move up to striker. Lacazette can move on to the right where Ozil is, and Ozil can move over to the left where Aubameyang was supposed to be. You know, I mean, it's a completely interchangeable front line, and that's how the game works anymore. You're not glued to your position. You're not glued to your position. I mean, seriously, you're, you're allowed to move around the football pitch. Do it, too. I mean, look at Liverpool. Look at Liverpool. For one of their games, you, you could see Salah, who's a right winger, a left-footed right wing player. For one of their goals, Firmino will be on the right, Salah will be all the way on the left, and Sadio Mane will be in the middle. Positions are completely irrelevant, and it's just about how well your front line could communicate. And if we get these four, maybe you could throw Mkhitaryan in there at some point, but I don't think yet. But if you get those four being Ozil, Ramsey, Aubameyang, and Lacazette on the same sheet of music, we will be absolutely brilliant going forward and and this whole stigma of being glued to your position is such a farce so don't don't worry about Aubameyang being pushed over to the left-hand side he was a winger at Borussia Dortmund I mean and he was fantastic you know you can't you can't not play the best players on the team so and and he's not even been bad since he goes there you know I mean he's since he went there rather he's clearly capable of taking players on he's got a good amount of pace and I think, I think he has to start. He has to start on the left. You can't play Lacazette on the left because he's, he's not nearly as um, good at taking players on. I think his hold-up play is better, though, and his, and his passing capabilities are better. And he also reads the game a bit better than Aubameyang, whereas Aubameyang is a cold-blooded finisher. He's good at taking players on, and you know he brings a huge presence to the field. So to not start both of them, I don't give a crap if it's not Aubameyang's natural position. Who cares? Who cares? Because if you're not playing these two in the same... if Okay, if you have a 60 million pound striker on the bench, you are doing something wrong. I'm just going to say it. I know, and and I know that people say, well, you know, that, that doesn't really... That's, that's not true. What if one of them's in bad form? Fair enough. Which one of them's in bad form? 
Neither of them. Neither of them are in bad form at all. Aubameyang, when he gets firing on all of his cylinders, dude, the guy has potential to win the golden boot. And you look at how Lacazette has been since since even just coming on off the bench, you know, starting against Cardiff, outstanding in the preseason, brilliant. You've got to start both of them. So that's my uh, that's my predicted one to eleven. Um, well, I'll talk about a little bit more. I'll talk about some details in it. Um, and then I think that'll be, I think that'll be that. I think that'll be the last thing I talk about is, is the details within the starting 11. So let's, let's start off with the thing I probably talked about the most in it. And that is the fact that you cannot play Mkhitaryan and Mezzadozo in the same team at the moment. And it's not their fault. It's not because either of them are bad players or anything like that. It just comes down to the fact that they are essentially the exact same players just Mkhitaryan's a bit quicker, and Mkhitaryan uses his right foot, whereas Ozil uses his left. That's it. You know, they're, they're, they're both number 10s. I mean, you, we, we have an influx of number 10s at the team right now, and Aaron Ramsey, Mesut Ozil, and Henrik Mkhitaryan, and you cannot play a midfield three of three number 10s because you need a winger that could take people on. You know, you can't just have, you can't just, like, listen to this, you can't have Ozil on the right, Mkhitaryan on the left, and Aaron Ramsey as the center attacking midfield, for example. Because, yeah, there'd be an amazing amount of creativity in there, but which one of those players is, like, actually good at taking people on? I know Mkhitaryan could do it from time to time, but does he do it on a consistent basis? No. I mean, Ozil doesn't really take players on ever, and neither does Aaron Ramsey. So you have to have a quick winger on there. And, I mean, at the moment, I think it's just going to come down... It, 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 maybe Unai will find a new system where they both can play together, but at the moment, in this current system, we have to pick one or the other. The other's going to have to be on the bench, in my opinion, and I think for right now, it's going to be Henrik Mkhitaryan because he's not in the best of form at the moment. Um, the next thing I wanted to talk about was the fact that Lucas Torreya has to start. I already went into that a little bit. Um, and I know that it's at the extent, at the expense, rather, of of Guendouzi, and that is, you know, it is a bit upsetting, but at the end of the day, I think Torreya is probably a better player than Matteo Guendouzi. Guendouzi has a lot of potential, and I think he's a future star for the Gunners, but at the moment, you've got to take him out of there. You've got to play the best possible midfield duo, and I just, I would just really like to see that little pivot of, you know, it's, what, what's Jacques, a 6'2", 6'3", with a little guy that's 5'5". Five five. It's funny, too, because usually you, you associate the little short players with being the really creative ones, and the big lumps would be in the, the, the mean, um, really kind of like defensive midfielders, like a Steven and Zonzi, for example. But, I mean, it's, it's really opposite with them. And I just, I really like to see them play together because it looked like in that Cardiff City game, they started to gel pretty well, you know. I mean, one uses the right foot and, and flies into tackles, but he, he's efficient at flying into tackles. One uses his left foot, flies into tackles maybe a little too much. And is also really good at playing long balls. Torrey is good at playing short balls. They're, you know, they're, two, they're they're a match made in heaven, and I would just really like to see him play together. Um, I uh, back on the goalkeeper. I personally want Leno to start, but I'm pretty sure Czech will. We I think we talked about that enough. Uh, Hector Bellerin, I think probably the most controversial figure in the team right now, along with Petr Czech and Granit Xhaka. Um, he's the the fact of the matter is he's good enough going forward. He's fantastic going forward. But he oftentimes neglects his defensive duties. And let's not forget, you know, his position is a right back. Notice how back's in there. You know, he has to, he has to get back and he has to help his, his defender. Especially if someone like, 
especially if someone like, say, Mkhitaryan was playing in front of him or Mesut Ozil was playing in front of him. We, you, you can't have, you know, you know those, those players, they're not bad players, but they're not going to come back and help you, and you can't expect them to because they've never done that in their career. So Bellerin, if, if he wants to keep playing in the system, he's going to have to come to the realization that, you know, oh, snap, i got to get back because, I mean, Ozil and Mkhitaryan are not good defensively, so I need to be on it defensively. And, I mean, this, the upsetting part is he's just so good going forward. He brings so much width, you know, because our front line is so narrow, no matter who you play up there. Because Aubameyang, let's, let's face it, I want to play him as a winger, but he's not a natural winger. Ozil or Mkhitaryan, whoever you decide, is not a natural winger. Ramsey and Lacazette won't go wide because they both like to play centrally as well. So we're kind of reliant on the, on the wingbacks, Monreal and, and Bellerin, to give us some width going forward. But Bellerin just, on, on way too many occasions, completely neglects his defensive duties. So he's got to look into that, I think. I mean, this is, this is interesting, though. I, wanna, I wanted to talk about this a little. I was thinking about this to myself. I don't think Bellerin is a wingback. Or as a, as a fullback, rather. I think he's a wingback. Um, you know, I think if you had Hector Bellerin, for example... On the right, and then I, and we're, I don't really want to play the system, by the way. If you had Hector Bellerin as a right wing back, and then maybe three center halves behind him, that's how you'd see the best of him. He's a wing back. He's not a fullback because he wants to get forward. You know, I mean, when he came to Arsenal, he was a winger. That's it. You know, Arsene Wenger wanted to morph him into a wing back. It doesn't seem like it's working. The, the kid wants to go forward. I say a kid, but he's older than me. But the guy wants to go forward. You know, he wants to contribute to the attacks. And there's way too many occasions where he just doesn't come back and help defend. So I think he's a wing back and continually playing in him in the system that he's not really supposed to be in is, is just detrimental to Hector Bellerin's career. So uh, players to watch as I start to wrap things up for Arsenal, I think has got to be the main man, the guy who's been in the best form as of recently, Alexandre Lacazette. I'd like to see him. He has to start, you know, he has to, and he, 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 ha- he has to. You know, he's a fantastic player. He's capable of changing a game at any given moment. He's clinical in front of goal. And I think that this is a game where the guys like Lacazette and Aubameyang can really shine. So I'd like to see Lacazette playing, and he's my player to watch for Arsenal. Whereas the player to watch for Newcastle United is Salomon Rondon. That's the kind of player we struggle with. You know, I know we struggle with pacey players too, but especially your big, like, six-foot guys that are absolutely massive – and just push defenders around. I mean, just look at Arnautovic with West Ham last week. If Arnautovic would have stayed on the field and didn't come off, we would have lost that game because we are completely incapable of coping with big strikers like that. I'm scared to go face United. I'm scared to face United because of Lukaku. I'm I'm petrified that he's going to show up against us and just completely emasculate our center backs, and that's not something I should be worrying about. So Salomon Rondon's the man to watch for Newcastle. Lacazette's the man to watch for Arsenal. Last thing, um, my prediction going into this game. I think we'll win this game. I do. I, I really think we will. Um, it's going to be difficult, though. It's going to be really difficult. Rafa Benitez is a fantastic manager. He's really good at setting up his teams defensively, especially. I expect to have most of the possession in this game. And we're, you know, we're... We're gonna have we're gonna have all the possession. We've just got to make our chances count. 
Will we make our chances count? Well, I sure hope we do. Um, so my, my predicted scoreline is going to be 2-1 to the Arsenal. Uh, who will score? Who will score? I'm going to say Lacazette and... I always like to put a weird one. Lacazette and the man dividing opinion more than any other, Granite Jaka, to score a 40-yard screamer. I Oh, man, I would love that. I would love that. I want to see Jaka. I want to see Jaka shine, and we all want to see Jaka shine because we all want to see all of our players succeed. And I think Newcastle's goal is probably going to come from Salomon Rondon. I don't think we can contain a player like that. So, I think this went well. I really do. Um, for, wow, forty minutes on the first podcast—that's not too shabby at all. Um, I, I want Rory to to kind of start uh, joining these podcasts in the future. I, me and him are going to talk about that in private, and we're going we're gonna to see what we can do. We're going to see if his busy schedule will allow for it. I'm, I'm a busy man as well, and I hope that we can. He's a, he's a really knowledgeable football fan, you know, and I know that we have very differing opinions on certain subjects, so that would, that would make for a really fun listen, you know, and he's, he's living over in Canada, so I'm living in Florida, so... You know, I mean, maybe if he if he pisses me off a little too much, I'll book a flight up there and and teach him a lesson now. <laughs> but um, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for sticking around. I really appreciate it. Um, I kind of want this to be a weekly occurrence. I, I'm I'm thinking about posting two YouTube videos a week and two podcasts a week, basically, or actually, it might be more podcasts a week because I want to do a pre-match analysis for every game and I want to do a post-game analysis for every game. It's going to be difficult, but I like difficult. I like a challenge. Let me know if you like this format, seriously, because I love podcasts. Um, there's a lot of really good Arsenal ones out there, so I have a lot of competition. You know, we like like Arsenal Fan TV's All Gun Blazing with Robbie and DT, um, Pain in the Arsenals with Andrew Dowdswell, Josh Sippy, and Henry. Go check that out. That one is fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And then, you know, the same old Arsenal as well. So there's a lot of competition, but I'm coming, boys. I'm coming to take your spotlight now. <laughs> um, but, yeah, thank you guys for watching. I will see you after the game against Newcastle United. And hopefully I will be as upbeat and happy as I was in this game. I'm just happy to see the Arsenal coming back. This international break was torture. I want to – I hate this sh- – I hate this sh- – I didn't curse the whole time. I hate this stuff. I hate the international break. And I just can't wait to see – my beloved Arsenal back. And I can't wait to see you guys after a hopeful win against Newcastle United on Saturday. Bye-bye.